If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. Please put the guns down. Under siege across the country, why black citizens are living in terror in their own neighborhoods. Gun violence affects us all. And how this state of fright is stressing out a new generation. This is my brother Omari. He was 17 years old. He was stabbed to death. Then inside the mind of a criminal, how they may be using restorative justice to break the law and get away with it. Plus, the facts and the fiction concerning black fatherlessness. Is the so-called deadbeat dad mostly myth or an inconvenient reality? And the awesome woman beside Idris Elba steps out into the forefront, extending a lifeline to displaced people in her native Somalia. I'm sitting on you. Then the Great White Way gets a groundbreaking dose of black girl magic. Look what God And speaking of magic, it's a hot city girl summer as Carisha Please can't stop, won't stop trending. What's your relationship status? You missed the act bad. I'm dating. I'm just taking my time with life. It's so real bad that it's all good as... The Black News Revolution starts right here. Everyone, welcome to Revolt Black News Weekly. I'm Naima Abdullahi. And tonight, we're examining the mental health side of mass shootings and how the escalating homicide rate is creating a psychological crisis. We turn to special correspondent Rochelle Ritchie, and you've been following this story very closely. That's right, Naima. The media may be covering more black mass shootings than ever before, but the tragic stories of our brothers and sisters being killed across the country is unfortunately a daily occurrence and what we don't talk about enough. The sheer weight of these constant losses and the stress of black death by violence is tonight's top story. 13 people shot over the span of just seven hours. When the bullet hits you, it's a different type of feeling. I see two people, you know, die right in front of my face. Yeah, I'm still trying to, you know, come to terms with that. New Yorkers feel as if a sea of violence is engulfing our city. Gun violence has become so common in our communities that only the language of war can capture the stark reality. There are too many other schools, too many other everyday places that have become killing fields, battlefields here in America. This is the worst nightmare that any community can face. And as too many know, the disastrous byproducts of so much gun violence are the invisible wounds characterized by post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and anxiety. It's not just the person who loses their life or who is the victim of gunshots that we need to be concerned about. It's their loved ones, their parents, their siblings, their best friends, their neighbors, because gun violence affects us all. And so we are all being ravaged as an entire community and as an entire culture. Please, please, all you young kids out here, young men, would y'all please 
put the guns down. So we know that in those communities, individuals are more likely to deal with substance abuse issues, low education issues, all kinds of things where their mental health is being taxed and plagued. As violence becomes routine, young men and women are becoming desensitized to the bloodshed. From the first time you see someone get murdered, you may be like, oh, wow, you know, brains everywhere. Over time, it, it, it becomes normal to where, oh, somebody's got killed around, oh, okay, whatever. We pay all this money to live down here and we can't feel safe. Another byproduct of so much violence, many live in fear, like this Philadelphia resident who wears a bulletproof vest just to deliver food. And it's just, you know, for safety. I live in a city that's very dangerous. While our federal government struggles to pass meaningful gun reform, we are left to find our own solutions to care for those affected by gun violence and to prevent one of us from becoming the next victim. We are all interconnected. The more that we are empowered to connect with one another, the more that we are empowered to affect change at an individual level all the way to a global level. Here to join me for more on this is the author of Courageous Conversations Connect, Dr. R.G. Allen Wilson, gun violence survivor Gregory Neal Jackson Jr., and 16-year-old Promise Thurston, who's experienced the pain of losing a family member to violence. So, Dr. Wilson, I want to start with you first. What type of traumas are associated with living in these cities and where there's an ongoing cycle of violence? I no longer call it post-traumatic stress disorder. I call it continual traumatic stress disorder because it's happening all day, every day. And we've almost become numb to it with the exception of the fact that it is happening not just with us, but it is happening to us. And so we've got to do something different because this method that we've approached this at is not working. What people don't realize is after being shot, it's not over when the wound heals. And for me, when I was shot, the bullet hit two arteries. I was questioned as a criminal, treated as a criminal, even though I was just a bystander of the shooting, not to mention $20,000 in um, hospital bills, um, and frankly, a lifetime of emotional trauma. And I think it just reinforces that we have to do more for the 100,000 people that are shot or killed by guns every single year. We have someone that obviously is a survivor of that that gun violence directly, but then we talk, we need to talk about those that are indirectly impacted, like Promise Thurston. Tell us about your brother, Omari, and what happened to him. Um, one day, he went outside over to a friend's house, and things just got out of control, and he was stabbed to death, and he was like my best friend to me. And you brought something with to share with our audience today? Yes. This is my brother, Omari. He was 17 years old. So crazy because now I'm now his age when he died. It's been a really long journey, a very long road path to go down. Uh, I started really bad with depression and anxiety, blaming myself a lot, and I found ways to help me cope, and I didn't learn that till a few years ago. So I've been sitting, hiding my pain and what I've been feeling away from everybody else. Thank you so much, Promise, for sharing your story. There are hundreds of thousands of us that are experiencing the ripple effect of uh, violence and the trauma that goes along with it. And so for young people like Promise, we as adults have to sit with them and let them know that we care about what's going on in their communities and figure out ways to reach them. Because a lot of what's going on with regards to the violence has to do with feeling no hope. And as a result of feeling that sense of despair, 
then many of our young people are acting out or acting in in order to address those issues. Gregory, did you have any sort of support after your, your violent encounter? Um, unfortunately, I didn't. You know, a lot of the support that I received was very dependent on, on my family uh, and my friend circle. And that's why as an activist, since I was shot in 2013, a big push for us is getting federal funding for violence intervention and prevention programs that provide that therapeutic support. And we know that one of the biggest indicators of whether someone retaliates or whether someone harms someone else is have they been exposed to that trauma and have they had a chance to heal and cope and deal with that? You know, there's a lot of talk about how gang violence and criminal activity is connected to gun violence. And I would argue that the majority of what is connected to violence is trauma. You know, it's not this criminal stereotype that we're seeing. It's that cycle of trauma that continues to ripple out. We hear a lot of lawmakers talking about crime prevention and stopping violence in the black communities, but yet the violence seems to persist. How do we hold those lawmakers accountable? You know, this is now the number one cause of death for all black men, for all black youth. It's the number two cause of death for black women. And a lot of that is connected directly to trauma when you look at the cycle of it. And so if we don't care about our black community, we need elected officials to speak up and say that. But for them to say they do care, and not address the number one cause of death for two thirds of our population, um, then I think that's something we need to hold them out, call them out on and hold them accountable to address it. Dr. Wilson, Greg, Promise, again, thank you for joining us and thank you for bringing your brother here with us as well and sharing his spirit as well. Thanks, Rochelle. We look forward to staying on this critical story. And now, another example that America is not alone when it comes to black lives being in danger and needing help. I spoke with Miss Sabrina Elba about her latest mission in Africa with husband Idris, and it kicks off this week's edition of Black All Over the World. Sabrina Elba, an activist at heart. We need to care about the people who plant the seeds around us. Putting in the work as a global citizen on a mission to improve the continent one country at a time from her Somali roots to Sierra Leone. From the moment that you set foot on Africa, no matter what country. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. What do you always take home with you after the trip? It's just that general energy that you get where you feel like, and any part of it could be home. Like I could, I could settle down here right now on this block and feel like the people around me have accepted me. The UN Goodwill Ambassador for IFAD, International Fund for Agricultural Development, tells me she's helping to launch a crisis response initiative to provide humanitarian aid to countries in need. Sometimes getting back into the field and connecting with the people and seeing the reason that you do the work you do is just, it's so important. 
Can you explain the ripple effect of the war in Ukraine and how it impacts countries that were already struggling like Somalia? As you know, drought and famine um, is now more serious in Somalia than it's ever been. But the war has made it far greater in terms of getting support to the people. For instance, Somalia gets 100% of its wheat from Ukraine via Egypt. Sabrina also shares the exciting new campaign, Walk a Mile in My Shoes, season two collection. Tell me about this campaign that you also have with Idris and the big launch. I'm so excited. Christian Lupon is a good friend of ours. He was watching a live that we were doing sort of in the middle of COVID two years ago now, speaking to one of the founders of um, Black Lives Matter, seeing the videos that we were seeing and hearing about the brutality that we were seeing. And, and he reached out to us from a very vulnerable place saying that he wants to give back. You know, we're both very strong believers that everyone can give back. Give back how you feel best suited to. The campaign collab with Christian Louboutin features men's and women's footwear and aims to donate 100% of the proceeds to six organizations. One of the organizations is Somali-based nonprofit Elman Peace. When we return, special correspondent Rochelle Ritchie takes us back to the States with a surprising story that goes inside the mind of a criminal and how they're keeping up with the politics. That's up next. Welcome back to Revolt Black News Weekly. I'm special correspondent Rochelle Ritchie. You may not know that if you steal something under $1,000, it's only a misdemeanor in certain states instead of a felony. But it's something many criminals do know, plus a lot more when it comes to the laws, policies, and prison reform initiatives that favor them. Tonight, we look inside the politically strategic mind of a criminal. If you're a violent criminal in Los Angeles right now, your biggest ally is not your defense lawyer, it's not the judge, it's not the jury, it's George Gascon. Strong words directed at Los Angeles County District Attorney George Gascon as the focus of a recall effort as voters voice their outrage over Gascon's progressive sentencing policies. The problem that we have today is the results of many of the bad policies that over-criminalize communities without really looking for a path in order to create the reduction of crime, the prevention of crime. One of many progressive district attorneys voted into office on pledges of criminal justice reform, Gasson is under fire for being too lenient on criminals in the midst of a crime wave affecting many cities, both conservative and liberal across America. Los Angeles is dealing with a spike in brazen and sometimes deadly robberies. Among the directives he issued to his 900 assistant DAs, sentence enhancements or other sentencing allegations, including under the three strikes law, shall not be filed in any cases. The recall effort, which has garnered more than 500,000 signatures, claims such directives instruct DAs to go soft on crime, coddle criminals, and trample upon the dignity and rights of crime victims. People are emboldened now. These criminals have, have absolutely no fear. The people in Los Angeles have had enough. And I, and I do believe that um, they really now realize that George Gascon does not care about public safety and he does not care about Los Angeles. He only cares about himself. Case in point, this jailhouse recording obtained by Fox News of gang member Willie Wilkerson charged with murdering a 21-year-old man during a home invasion robbery. I told you last time that he wanted to hire up and try to get something did before. They uh, re-elect somebody else besides Gascon and bring back that little uh, 
that life without parole and uh, the death penalty. Mm -hmm. If he can get the manslaughter, then manslaughter only carries 6, 9, and 12. That's who your biggest supporter is. That's the reason why criminal defendants all throughout Los Angeles County want George Gascon to give them a deal because they know that he is their biggest cheerleader. At the heart of this complicated matter, the need for criminal justice reform juxtaposed against a dramatic rise in violent crime. In order for us to reform things, it's deeper than just the prison, it comes with the education system as well. I think that if people see that you're gonna be soft on it and let people go, then of course they're gonna you know, push the limits and then try to see how far they can get away with things. So at the same time, I do think that our system has a lot of things that need to be corrected for sure. But you can't just let everybody go. Here to join me is Skip Towson, former gang member turned community activist and attorney at law, LaShawn McQueen. Thank you both for joining us here. You know, Skip, when we look at this case that was happening in Los Angeles with this guy, Willie Wilkerson, who's trying to get a plea deal now for murder, as a former gang member, do you even consider sentencing laws? That is an excellent question, and the answer is absolutely not. There is no consideration on what the law is, three strikes, who's the DA. Um, none of that matters when a person is acting spontaneous or they're acting off of emotions. They don't have time to study the law and figure out what kind of sentencing they will get or who's a better DA to help them with this. But that actually, Skip, goes against what is happening right now in in your city of L.A. Like I said, you have this guy, Willie Wilkerson. Literally on the phone call, he says to his mom, you know, let's hurry up and get this plea deal for manslaughter before uh, Gasson is no longer uh, the, the D.A. in Los Angeles because of the recall. No, what happens is when individuals get to jail, they're the jailhouse lawyers who will tell them what they've read, what they've seen on TV. So everyone is thinking that Gascon is just opening the doors and letting people out, and that's just not the case. He's not against sending a guy to prison for 25 years. There's been 213 arrests, and 23 of those people have been arrested three or four more times uh, for, the same simple, for the same sort of crime. But the laws that we're seeing, the policies in L.A., are allowing these people to go back out on the streets. The problem is not just the individuals, it's also... Why are we housing individuals instead of rehabilitating, re-educating, making them go through um, certain classes to make them a better person before they go out? We just house them, they fight every day, eat for free, go play basketball, and then we put them back on the streets. We have to look at our, our systems as well before we start pointing fingers. Skip, I want to ask you this. Um, your time, can you tell us a little bit, first of all, about just your time as a former uh, gang member? And I'm assuming that was in South LA? Yeah, so I mean, that's just growing up in Los Angeles. People want to call me a gang member, but let me just clarify I'm Yvonne's son. So people give us labels um, they're thugs, they're criminals, they're ex felons, parolees. But I don't know a mother who ever went to a hospital and had a gang member. They all have had children. And I think that's a fair point, um, Skip, but at the end of the day, if someone is a former gang member or a convicted felon, um, then that is simply what they are. And what's interesting is that we talk a lot about the respect that we have for our own families, but are, are these gang members even considering or even thinking about the families of those that become victims of their behavior? Just because someone has the label of victim does not necessarily mean that they are a victim. Same thing, just because someone has the label of defendant does not necessarily mean that they are always a defendant. Um, ultimately, it really just comes down to kind of putting yourself in that person's shoes. So if, if you had a family member or if you had a loved one 
um, who was now facing serious time for a crime that they committed, whether it could have been mistake, it could have been, you know, let's say there was a young boy, someone was breaking into his home and he shot the intruder and now he's being charged with murder or with, with manslaughter. In a situation like that, it's now it's like, okay, are we going to go ahead and try this young boy as an adult for trying to protect his home? Or are we going to try to be empathetic and say, okay, what if this was my son? What if this was right. my nephew? So and I think that's, and, really and LaShawn, I'm, I'm going to stop you right there for a second. I think that's the part that might be a little confusing for our viewers because, yes, this can be someone's father, mother, son, daughter. But if that son or father or that mother or daughter goes and shoots someone that's in my family, I don't care what you call them. They're a murderer. Well, thank you, LaShawn. Yes, mental health is definitely a huge topic right now in the black community, as it should be. Thank you. Thank you, Skip, also for joining us. All right, switching gears now from who's trying to beat the system to other notable cases we've been following. Naima, what's on the legal docket this well, week? Well, there's a lot to review, Rochelle. Tonight, we go gavel to gavel as Revolt Black News Weekly looks at who's caught in the system. I ain't get to tell my boy, thank you. A tearful Boosie says goodbye to his... Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Close friend, Atlanta rapper Trouble. He always supported me, you know. Hundreds mourn the death of the Atlanta hip-hop artist who was allegedly gunned down by Jamichael Jones. With a hearing underway, the details leading up to Trouble's murder develops each day. When we look at the facts of the case, uh, he was murdered in a domestic dispute, and I think that creates uh, a few defenses for the actual suspect if and when he does go to trial. He can say this was a heat of passion uh, type of incident in which he murdered someone. Gunna breaks his silence behind bars. In a lengthy Instagram post, Gunna declared his innocence on the very same platform that prosecutors are now using to collect posts and captions as evidence to connect the label to street gang activity. Obviously, they're using social media to try to convict him. They use social media to get an indictment. Um, they use his public statements and songs to get an indictment. I think he needs to stop making public statements. As a defense attorney, whenever I talk to my clients, I tell them to shut the hell up. Talking at any level, at any degree, is going to be harmful because that's going to be used against you in court, even if you're proclaiming your innocence. We just wanted to come home. I feel that if there's a will, there's a way. And if the Biden administration wanted it to happen, we would have her back. An emotional plea from Phoenix Mystics coach Vanessa Nygaard as WNBA star Brittany Griner remains detained in Russia, now extended to July. People want to see Brittany Griner home, and we're pressuring our elected officials to make sure that that happens, and Russia sees that. Of course, we'll be following these cases closely with updates in the weeks ahead on any developments. And coming up next, we go deep into the deadbeat dad debate as we investigate the facts and the fiction surrounding black fatherhood. That's straight ahead. Don't be mad because you have to pay child support because I promise you that child support is not 
doing much for that mother that's taking care of your child. Welcome back to Revolt Black News Weekly. And now to a subject that really needs some breaking down, the myth and reality of the so-called deadbeat dad. Yes, 72% of black babies are born to unmarried moms, but does that mean 72% of the dads are deadbeats? Our Kennedy Rue and Rochelle Ritchie are here to help us take a swipe at this stereotype. As a black dude, we're constantly running from the ghosts of like bad black dads past. Here with us today, we have founder of Fatherless Generation, Dr. Tori J, educator and best-selling author, Dr. Steve Perry, MHS and women's advocate, Mike Shell Edwards, and also joining me, Rochelle Ritchie and Kennedy Rue, also for this conversation. Thank you all for joining us today. Let's get right into it. Why are so many black fathers stereotyped as deadbeats? A lot of times in the black homes is because a lot of times when there is a split between the mother and father, sometimes a path are crossed where the woman is labor, labeled as bitter. And sometimes men get to the point where they're so frustrated that they walk away from their parental responsibilities. And I believe that a lot of times their protective capacities are diminished when they are no longer in the home. I don't know that black men in particular are stereotyped as deadbeats, but there are quite a number of brothers who are not taking the responsibility that is basic, which is to be there for their children, not just from a financial perspective, meaning I send money, but to be there in an emotional uh, and social context to create the family that's necessary to rear children. Well, I think there's some a history lesson here as well. When you think about the laws from way back when, when black men and uh, could not be in the household if that woman wanted to get any sort of government support. So it was sort of a system and a trend for black men not to be in the home in the home. And unfortunately, that's now passed down through generations. My mother had me at 17. My father was 18. Mm -hmm. My grandmother was very upset, <laughs> obviously, about it. But what happened is my father died um, in 2020 from COVID. And the most time that I got to spend with him was when he was in the hospital. You know, you start to have a little bit of resentment as a child because you grow up and you realize that there were adults making uh, decisions for you. And, you know, research right now is breaking it down even further when we look at it. Um, according to data from the CDC, black fathers are three times more likely than whites and Hispanic counterparts to feed, eat with, bathe, dress, play with, read to their children on a daily basis. So why does this stereotype continue to persist? I'm thinking about the Moynihan Report, Daniel Patrick uh, Moynihan's report on the black family and how without the nuclear family, black families will not be able to compete with their white Hispanic counterparts. Mm -hmm. And that was an attack of um, women as matriarchs mm -hmm. of the family and how that was um, a hindrance to the black family surviving and thriving. Mm -hmm. So I think that when we look at the dominant narrative of how our families have been structured and presented to mass media and in mass media, it is this absentee father figure. Mm. That's what we've always seen. Um, whether that is myth or reality remains to be seen. And I mean, we do have to look at statistics. If 30% of black men are in jail, a lot of them cannot physically be in the household right. and are not. Um, so th those are realities of our circumstances. Mm. And we have to consider what the Moynihan Report told us. It said that father, without the fathers, we got to consider that without fathers present, 
we're not going to do well. I reunited with my father at 31 mm. and acknowledging I wanted my father seemed to diminish the importance of my mother. And that's what happens to a lot of us. I had two and a half years with my dad and it changed everything about who I am. And it was that place that I needed, that development that I needed. And we have to stop silencing the voice of men and acknowledge there are some barriers. There are some things that have been put in their way to keep them from their children. But what we see in, in practice is that we as men have both the capacity and the right to make a decision to be engaged in our children's lives. We get to make that decision. And what we cannot do is uh, create a heroic image of the demonized father to excuse the, the garden variety foolishness of brothers who simply are not there for their children. The fact is when I'm in Harlem, when I'm in the Bronx, I'm in Bridgeport, what I often see is that the overwhelming majority of our fathers are not generally in the position that we need them to be in, which is daily and fully engaged. But why is that? I gotta, I gotta, because we gotta realize that child support becomes the barrier for so many people. And it's women who are putting that in the position. 74% of men who have custody rights to their children, cons they consistently pay. They're consistently there. But 36% of the men who do not pay are the ones who don't have custody rights. And so that means that they don't have the, the quality of housing that the child needs. They're not able to afford children's activities, different things like that. And there's this resentment, I think, that builds between the mother, the father, and the court system. I mean, think about it. You don't pay your child support, guess where, you're go where you could go? You can go to jail. You can lose your license. That all prevents you from actually being able to have a job. And I see, uh, Dr. Perry, I see you shaking your head, but that's just the truth. There are black men that can go to jail for not paying child support. There are black men that can lose their jobs. And then, and then how do they end up taking for the child? T taking care of the child. Are we really going to demonize sisters who are actually taking care of their children? Like, are we? Is no, it no one is. For black no one is demonizing. No, no, no one is demonizing because anyone. No. This is just a simple the same fact. decision to walk away from their responsibilities that men can. Some men aren't men just can. walking away. Some but men are being forced away. The facts are that what we see is that I. Any other man can make the decision to be in our children's lives. And if we decide not to, and then someone calls us, one of those someone being our own children, calls us a deadbeat, we've earned that. That doesn't mean that every black man is, but those who are, are. And we need to hold these brothers accountable because those of us with the responsibility of being on the ground, trying to build children up as human beings, need these brothers to be part of the struggle. These men are taking on the weight of the community. These sisters are taking on the weight of the community because we have brothers who are simply shirking their responsibility. And we can't look past that. When it comes to the child support, that's where the communication breaks down. They're so angry and upset with being forced to take care of their children that they feel, okay, child support, that's it. Sometimes they stop working, which is basically hurting the child because they automatically assume they know what the mother is going to do with the finances. And a lot of black men in my community that I personally know feel that the court favors the mothers. So they don't really take the initiative to get to the courthouse until they're forced to pay child support. And that's when you want to do 50-50. At the end of the day, you end up paying more having 50-50 than a little attitude that is produced behind paying whatever portion 
is a range from what your finances finances and a mother's finances. Dr. Steve Perry is talking about this place of demonizing women who are present and accountable. But we've done that for men for so many years. And if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Now our eyes are opening up to the fact that, yeah, they should be held accountable. I have now reunited over 8,000 children with their fathers. So I have seen this time and time again, that yes, there are men who aren't present, but there are a lot of men who are fighting to be present. They are spending their last dime in the court system because what we have to understand is legislation. There are laws in place that if you have a child out of wedlock, and we just talked about those numbers, you do not have any rights to your child. And you have to go through a court system to get access that's why it's so important to me to have this conversation with all of you today to chime in on how we can change the narrative, how we can dispel this myth, and how we can make a better generation for the next generation that's behind us. Thank you all for chiming in. And coming up, Kennedy takes a spin coast to coast for tonight's entertainment remix. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Revolt Black News Weekly. I'm Kennedy Rue with this week's entertainment remix. And we jumpstart the headlines with a much needed tweak to the Great White Way. Finally, some meaningful melanin on the playbill as our girl Jay Hud secures her spot in entertainment history. And the Tony goes to a strange loop. And with that historic win for Best New Musical, a strange loop producer Jennifer Hudson to comb her first Tony, becoming the 17th EGOT winner. <laughs> Joining Whoopi Goldberg, Jay Hud is one of only two black women who have an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and now Tony. As I said when I won the Oscar, look what God did. I feel like the phrase Great White Way is becoming more of a nickname as opposed to a how-to guide. I feel the gravity, but I am trying to focus on putting one foot in front of the other. This year's Tonys were full of talented Black nominees, with five of the most coveted wins going to Black excellence. MJ star and newcomer Miles Frost moonwalked his way to a win as the best actor in a musical. But I know that our spirit is bigger than this place. Paradise Square's Joaquina Calacango show-stopping performance translated to Best Actress in a Musical Victory. Tony winner Felicia Rashad still beaming 24 hours after her Best Featured Actress win. I just sat there. I didn't have a thought. <laughs> and my friend looked at me like, are you going to move? And I looked at me like, <laughs> Felicia attending the iconic Apollo Theater Spring Benefit, where mega producer and philanthropist Tyler Perry was honored with the Impact Award. It feels great to be honored by some a place with so much history. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh. Hello, Seth. Hello, everyone. I'm Tyler Perry. And the evening's host, SNL's Kenan Thompson, explained how he nails the perfect Perry impersonation. He speaks very sophisticated. It's vocabularic. That guy's got a brain on him. 
The remix is breaking down Beyonce's music return. Ooh, yeah, baby. Oh, yes, I like that. And the beehive is ready to swarm. After much speculation, Beyonce's highly anticipated seventh album, Renaissance Act One, will drop July 29th. The buzz for the new album began when all of Beyonce's social media profile pictures were erased. Now her website has a whole new look as the Renaissance woman poses on the cover of July's British Vogue with 16 new tracks on the way. Hey y'all, what's up? So we on set of my new podcast called Carisha Please. And the debut of Revolt's Carisha Please made headlines. What's your relationship status? Mm. Mr. Atbag. Mm. I'm single, but I'm dating. I'm just taking my time with life. Okay. Mm -hmm. Guest P. Diddy and host Young Miami breaking some personal news on her very first show. So what we is? We dating. We go to exotic locations. <laughs> Carisha Please is definitely the conversation we needed. Real bad. Congrats to our queen. Diddy is a tough act to follow, but we can't wait for episode two. Now some more entertaining news for you as we check out the latest addition to our State Farm stand-up series. Yes, Black-owned businesses continue to be on the rise, but creating Black wealth means your support is needed. Billy Abstract, artist, fashion designer, entrepreneur, and world traveling adventurer. As a kid, when people would ask me what I wanted to do when I grew up, I would always tell them, I'm gonna be rich. I'm gonna own my own business. It was never in my head to work for anybody other than myself. I started drawing pictures when I was seven years old. I loved drawing. My mom would like buy me comic books and I would just sit in my bedroom for hours and just, just sketch. I perfected my hand by 11. When I was in college, I had the epiphany. I got a full-time job while I lived on a college campus and I saved up close to $30,000 within two years. I was already like a hustler. I would sell random stuff out of the trunk of my car, water ice, whatever. I decided to just give everything I had to the fashion. It's a long road from the trunk of the car. Abstract Thought is the streetwear brand, and Dream by Billy Abstract is more of the high fashion art meets streetwear. The overarching mission of both brands combined is to inspire people to live at their highest potential. And even at that point, to understand that your highest potential could be your lowest potential because you can go higher than that. Thoughts are things. So our mission statement is as follows. The sky is not the limit, imagination is. The term starving artist is a real thing. Most creatives, artists, dreamers, they have these dope ideas and they wanna get them out. They wanna make a living from their dope idea, but they struggle. I wanted to create a thing that could really make a difference like could really help people get to the next level. And like the things that are in the Six Figure Creative Program are things like brand building strategies, sales strategies, scaling strategies, retention marketing. Like when you say retention marketing to a creative, they won't even most times know what that is. You could come in at like the advanced program that would take you about three weeks or you could come into like a more sophisticated program that would be like two months. 
just depends on what a person's needs are. Your only limit is your imagination. Just go after it. Never take advice from somebody you would not want to trade places with. The fastest way to get to where you want to be is to be around the people who have already gotten to where you want to be. The inner precedes the outer. If you want to be a millionaire, you have to become a millionaire here before you manifest that. Billy Abstract, we salute you. Don't go anywhere because we're crowning a new revolutionary of the week when we return. Every week we shine a spotlight on someone causing dramatic change in their community or the world at large. We call them our revolutionary of the week and here's tonight's disruptor. Sean Williams is on a mission to change the perception of black fathers. I am black. You are black. <laughs> I am pretty. You are pretty. It's a good death It's something the father of three says he was inspired to do after a chance encounter at his local grocery store. An older white woman stopped me and said, it was good to see that I stuck around to be a dad. And it was, you know, I think she meant it to be a compliment. I didn't take it as such. So, you know, I try to educate her a little bit. So instead of, you know, uh, berating her or being upset about it, I said, let me start something, a platform, a page, something where I can show the world what black fatherhood really looks like, especially for us young, active millen millennial dads. In 2016, Williams started the Dad Gang, a group that uplifts and celebrates black dads, shattering the stereotypes and stigmas around black fatherhood. And, um... We realized a lot of dads also needed support. So here we are trying to change the image, right? Or change the narrative, but our dads still needed actual help. So this wasn't about them not being active or not. It was about them having resources to be able to continue doing so. So once we understood, you know, we saw some problems again, you know, the best way to, you know, attack those things is to find some solutions. Solutions Williams provides through what he calls random acts of dadness, giving away strollers, diapers, and assisting with financial support. Shout out to all the fathers out there. We love y'all and happy Father's Day. And hopefully I don't only get a pack of socks today. For the dads involved, it's become a community. One of our events was an event called Strolling with the Homies, which is now called March of Dads, where we pretty much got as many dads together in a city um, and had them bring their kids, their babies, whatnot. And we would stroll through like a very visible area. It might be a park, it could be a square, a shopping square. One day bath time with daddy will stop, but the benefits of believing in themselves and knowing exactly who they are will last a lifetime. Celebrating black dads, not just on Father's Day, but every day. So important to pay it forward anytime you can, right guys? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Naima. So inspiring also to see somebody affecting real change. Well done, sir. That does it for us. We'll see you all next time. Later.
Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.